went ahead and waited through worship just to see if he was going to show up at the end. You know, like maybe he's running late today. No, he is not here. Uh, he's in Haiti. Not really. He's not in Haiti either. He's in Bozeman, Montana this week, and uh, and he's uh, he's telling people what he tells us all the time. And uh, like they said, this is still Pastor Appreciation Month, so you are not too late to uh, to bless our pastors. Um, you know, this week, uh, Pastor showed me a letter. Uh, he let me read a letter that um, that somebody from this house has written had written to him. And and I read this letter and it was like, yes, this is why we do what we do. So even if you can't slip him a thousand dollar bill like I encouraged you to do before, you know, maybe a letter with a thousand dollar bill would be great. Or Pastor Shelby, she likes diamonds. I know that for sure. So a diamond with a letter would even be good. But show your pastors how much we do. We have the most awesome pastors in the world. I believe we do. I believe it. And I appreciate what they do for us. They're giving their lives uh, so that we can be blessed. Amen. So um, this morning, uh, I'm going to bring the word. And uh, it's fitting that it's Halloween weekend because I am terrified. Um, it's not that bad. It's just the time from when I get here in the morning till I get to this point. It's like your stomach is like, all right, you can do this. So, uh, you know, I have not aspired to be a pastor. Um, it just seems like uh, I just ended up here. I don't know how. I really don't. It was not by my doing, but it's by the hand of God. So this morning, I want you to do something with me. Stretch your hand out this way. And I want you to say, uh, dear six-ounce or six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus. Come on, say it. Help him. Help him. Hey man, that's just a joke, guys. But, you know, we go to we go to football games and Kennewick is doing so well this year. TJ's football team is doing so well we get kind of bored because they're down there creaming everybody. So we're up in the stands laughing and joking and uh if you were here last week we did the the, the third quarter stretch. That was all conspired at a football game. You know, I you won't do something like that. This week Keith challenged me, I, you're not gonna pray that. So I just figured, no, I'm not gonna pray it, I'm gonna get the whole congregation to pray that with me. So it's just some fun. You know what? We, we want to have fun in church. You know, we're serious about serving God, but we're going to have a good time doing it. Amen? And I believe God has a sense of humor. And, and even when I, when I say that, you know, I would rather pray to sweet six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus because there's not a whole lot of challenge in that. If Jesus would have just stayed a baby in a manger, then there would be no challenge for my life. But what happens, he grew up. And he served God without sin. And at the age of 33, he said, now come and follow me. And so it's, a, it's way more of a challenge to pray to the Jesus that died on the cross and was re- resurrected because there's a challenge to us. And so this morning, that's what I want to do. I'm going to, I'm, you know, I want to kind of go down the same path that Pastor's been doing. Um, I'm actually using the same, the same, same scriptures, his points, um, and, and, you know, I'm going to be using his stuff because the thing is, is I... I'm a student of my pastor. Everything I know, I've been serving under him for like 14, 15 years. Um, everything I know, my pastor's taught me. I've taken a measure of thought and study to the truth that our pastor brings every week, and he's bringing truth every week. And I've put a measure of thought and study into that, and so it's the truth that I know, and it's the truth that sets me free. So <clears throat> when people ask me a question... If they get an answer, you know, most times it's like 50-50 where you're going to get it, I don't know, or you're going to get, you know, some truth. 
the answers I usually give are it's stuff that my pastor has taught me. The scriptures that I use in my life, they're the scriptures that he's built his life on. They're the scriptures I'm building my life on. Sometimes my wife will say, you sound just like Tom. Well, you know what? I, I am. I do. Because he's taught me how to live a God life, and that's what he's trying to do in this house. Amen? So we're going to go down that way. You know, you are the church. But I'm going to come at it from the standpoint of, of serving in the church. And uh, a couple weeks ago, he kind of gave a little hint that there was going to be somebody here in a couple weeks. He said, because he was saying some stuff that was kind of like stuff he says that kind of like rubs you, you know. And he's like, well, I'm going to be pastoral, but in a couple weeks, I'm going to give you, I'm going to send in a nice guy. So tonight or today, I am the nice guy. So everybody smiles. Like, All right, we got the nice guy. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you this morning about serving in the local body, serving in this house. And, and i got a couple questions for you this morning. The first one I want to ask you is, when you come into this house, do you feel chosen? Do you feel like God has chose you to come to this church? Do you feel like, I mean, I really, I feel like I was chosen. Back when I, when I met Pastor Tom and began to serve him, I, you know, I was just like excited. God, you've given me somebody that I can, I can gauge my life by, that I can serve. Do you, do you feel like you're chosen? I feel like I'm chosen. Let's read Deuteronomy 7, 6. And you guys can say amen at any time this morning. Yeah, it'll help. It says, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be people for himself, a special treasure above all, the peoples on the face of the earth. The message says, do this because you are a people set apart as holy to God, your God. So my other question is, do you decide where you go to church or, to, or has God called you to a house to serve? You know, if you're not coming on Wednesday nights, shame on you because I, got, I stole this point from John Brevere on Wednesday nights. And he said that, and it really hit, it hit me right between the eyes. You know, we do not choose where we come to church. We're called to a house. You know, you are called to a house. If this isn't the house that you're called to, you should not waste any more time and find the house where you're called to serve. Because you're called to serve. When, when, when I talk to friends or other believers, you know, what are you doing? Oh, man, just serving God. Well, what does that mean, serving God? Is it just something we say? How do we serve God? How do you, have you thought about it? Serve God. You know, I think that we use it as... Uh, an adjective, right? That describes it. I had to go through this last night too. You know, we use it as an adjective, just, you know, I, I'm serving God. I'm just describing my life. But we should use it as a verb. It's an action. Serving God is an action. It's not just something you say. So when I, you say, I'm serving God, what does that mean? What are you, so what are you doing? Are you really serving God? Are you, are you serving in the local body? That's what my challenge is for you today. Are you serving in the, the local house. I believe that God has called each and every one of us here. And and we're a part of what God is trying to do using this body. Amen. Amen. Come on, guys. Amen. Come on. Give me some help. All right. So where are we at here? So in First Corinthians, it says this is what the, the Bible says. It says First Corinthians twelve eighteen says, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleases. CV says, in the way that he decided is best. Guys, God has chosen you for this house 
for such a time as this to use you. You're not a volunteer. God has called you. God has called you. In, uh, I, got, I got another question for you. And this one, you know, maybe this is, uh, you know, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but this is, you know, I'm coming at this from a standpoint, you know, sometimes you hear people say, well, that's the pastor's job. You know, but the pastor's job goes way beyond what we see right in here. You know, this week, um, some things have happened in some families. Were you there when these families are going through it? He's, I, I know he was at, at, in, you know, at the hospital for surgeries on people's families going through surgery. He's there in the morning. Pastor Shelby's there in the mornings. They're there in the evenings when something's going on in other people's house. Their job is a 24-hour day job. They don't, like, shut their phone off. If you, if you need something... I promise you, I know from experience that our pastors are there for us regardless of what it is or when it is. That's an ongoing job. So I'm, I'm coming at a standpoint is that this is not my job. And I'm not saying that to say, well, you know, I'm doing it and it's not my job, so I'm better. But my point is that this is not my job either. I have not a, a job. Uh, you know, I don't get paid to come and serve in the local body. We, you know, that's not why I do it. I do it because I'm going to serve like I'm called. I'm going to serve in the house like I'm called. My question is, do you get involved, serve like you're chosen, serve like you're called, or do we add church to our schedule and work it in at our convenience? I've, uh, you know, since God changed my life back in 1990, it, I changed the way I looked at it from then on. I do not look at church as something I just come and do. I look at churches, you know, I have been called to come to church. I have been called to serve in a body. I'm called to be here. I'm going to follow God. I'm not a volunteer, guys. You, we've got to get out of the volunteer church mentality and realize that God has called you to serve him. It is a calling that's on each and every one of our lives, and nobody is exempt from that. Some are called to be pastors, preachers, teachers, all that, it didn't, the last line doesn't say, and volunteers and show up whenever you feel like it. It's not in there. there. There's It lines them all out there, and you fall into one of those categories. Every one of us falls in one of the Church is not just something that we come and do. Church, for me, is it is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. Uh, another question I have for you. When, when you're getting ready to plan a family outing or vacation or... What you're going to do, do you take into consideration what's going on at church? I do. I get the calendar every month. It's available today. You could get one. I look at the calendar. And I kind of see what's going on in the church. Now, don't get me wrong. I do not call the name and say, can you hurry up and get the church calendar out? Because I need to plan the next three months of my life. If you want to do that, that would be really good. And she'll do it for you. Right away. And, you know, and if we all did that, could you imagine the effect and, the, and the, the stuff that we could accomplish as a body? It would be amazing. But we all have lives. I understand that. I really do. So, you know, no, I do understand it. But when, when we plan what we're going to do, we take into consideration what is going on in the church. You should. You're called to this body. You're here. It's not on a volunteer basis. We need to come and be here and get in the presence of God and serve God together. We need to take into consideration as we're living our life what's going on in the local church. What's happening here? Um, 
for me personally, the the local church it absolutely saved my life. You know, uh, the last time I uh, that I got to to speak up here, uh, you know, I kind of gave my testimony. You know, been through some stuff. My wife's been through some stuff with me, and you know, we've had stuff just like everybody else has stuff, right? But God has God has completely changed my life. And and back in 1990, um, you know, we, I went to a ranch in Mabton, Washington. There, God began to change my life, and He changed my life. And we spent three years there, and and stayed there, and and but got to the point where you know there really wasn't. That wasn't where I was supposed to be. I told God when we went there, I'm going to stay here, God, until you move me. God moved us to Hermiston, Oregon. We lived in Hermiston, Oregon for about 11 years. But the day we left um, Mapton on a, on a Monday or Tuesday, that next weekend we were in church in the Tri-Cities. Kelly had been going to a church in the Tri-Cities uh, prior to us going out there. And so we went back to church. We, I know what it's like to come to church. I know what it's like, a challenge to be involved in church. I know what the challenge is like. I lived in Hermiston for 11 years, went to church in the Tri-Cities, served on the worship team, three services on Sunday, had Wednesday night services, served on Wednesday nights, did worship, and did youth. We both went to Bible school over here. We had three children. We had sports. We, I understand the challenge there. But you know what? I knew that I needed to be connected to a house and to a group of people that were going the same direction I was going. I made it church life important in my life. It allowed me to meet my pastor. And because I was there to serve all the time, I got to build a relationship with him. But, man, my heart was for the church because I knew that I needed it to survive. I could, uh, you know, you can leave here and go to your jobs and people or even out there, you know, we can act all kinds of crazy ways and really nobody's going to know. They don't know if you're a Christian or not. But see, when we get in here and we serve together, people know that you really say you're a Christian or that you're a believer, you serve God. And so in here, it's easy to act like we're a Christian. In here, but we can help each other. But as we serve, some of those qualities, you know, you always show up. You know, when people get around you long enough, if you've been around me long enough, you'll realize that I'm not the awesome guy that you guys all think I am right now. Right? Thanks, babe. And um, do I need to drink that? Okay, I do. <laughs> Anyhow. So, you know, as, as, we, as we work together in here, we get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, you get to see... You know, I hang around Steve sometimes. Steve knows that I'm not perfect. Right, Steve? <laughs> you know, you know, Rod. You know, I spend more time with Rod uh, than, than he spends with his wife. Um, it's because we work together. That's all. But um, so, you know, they, they you know, so it's, in that, and even in that, see, it's a challenge for me to get up here and say these things because I know that I fall short in so many areas of my life. But my heart is for God. And my heart is to serve God. My heart is to be the best that I can be for God. And it takes having a relationship with you guys for me to grow. We, as you begin to serve in the local house, it is going to cause you to grow in ways that you could not grow any other way. Serving in the house is part of our God life. It's a piece. It's a piece of the puzzle that needs to be in there. It is a part of being a believer. I believe is serving in the local church, not attending a local church. It's serving. And, it, and that's in what capacity. Some of us have a whole stack of children. 
And you know what? It's going to be a challenge. Their capacity to serve in the house is going to be a little bit different. And so what I'm saying is, I'm not saying you're not going to miss church. You're not. Going to, but but take it. Are we taking into consideration? Are we making some hard choices? Um, I had to make a really hard choice this week. For you guys, it may not be a hard choice. For me, it was very difficult. I'm still struggling with it today. <clears throat> I have a motorcycle that's in Boise, and it's a new motorcycle. I've only had it for a few months, and. And when I when I bought it there, you know, there, I was going to have them do some special things to this motorcycle. So, but I really wanted it, and it was there. So the, all the parts weren't there. So I went ahead and went and got it. And I said, when you guys get the parts, then I'll bring the bike back to you. So a couple of weeks ago, I took the bike back to Boise, and they're putting on some new handlebars and some speakers on it, and everything's going to be really cool. Well, it was supposed to be done like last week. And and last week would have worked great. I could have went over and got it and rode it home. Well, this week, I knew that I had this weekend, and so I did not want to get, you know, they call me on Thursday afternoon. You do not know how bad on Thursday afternoon I wanted to, to go to Boise and pick up my motorcycle and ride it home. And I could have made it back here for Saturday night service, but my mind would probably have not been in the right place, and I wouldn't want to stood up here and look stupid. But so it was a challenge for me not to go get this motorcycle. So I made a hard decision this week to be in the house of God and to do what God has called me to do. And I know you guys are looking at me like, that's no big deal. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. That is my most favorite thing to do in the world other than I don't know what else. You know, I don't, you know, somebody, some, well, but you know what I mean, babe. Besides, you know, you know, besides the normal stuff, you know, that's my hobby. I'm backtracking now. Thank you. But you know, what I mean, I don't hunt, I don't fish, I don't golf. I ride motorcycles. That's what I do. That's my passion, outside of God, my family, and all those normal things. So, so you know, local church saved my life, and and we're going to have to make decisions in our life. I, I think that that what we do in our normal life, I think it should be a challenge that we got stuff going on in life and it should challenge with the stuff that's going on in the church and we should be able to make the decisions that hey is this for me or is this for the call that god has on my life and you're going to have to make them choices each and every one of us at whatever capacity you're at in life you know if you have children like me and my wife we have older children uh so it's not as big a challenge for us right now you know we have time and so we spend it serving in the body whatever your amount of time is just you need to be serving in this body in some capacity. That's what my point is. Amen? Okay, so I, got, I actually have three points that I want to make today. What time are we supposed to be out here? 12.30? All right, I still got an hour and a half. Great. Um, so the, the, the first point, the, the three key servings. Get it? Three key servings. You know, I'm going to serve something up here. Um, serve like you're called. We need to serve like we're called. We need to, to lay down the volunteer mentality. Because volunteer mentality in the church, it'll kill you. It'll, it'll really, it can render you ineffective is what it can do. Because you're not, you're not a volunteer. You're called to serve in this house. If you're not, like I said before, find the house where you're called to. Because you're not called to be a pew warmer. You're not. Amen? So let's go to First Chronicles 28, 9 and 10 in the Amplified. And this is like an awesome scripture. Um, when we started this church, uh, Pastor Tom gave 
me and some of the other the people who were starting gave us this book. It's by Casey Treat. It says, God's Word for Every Circumstance. And in the front of mine, I don't know if he wrote it in anybody else's, but in the front of mine, he wrote this this uh, scripture, just verse 10. And and it's it is stuck in my, that from that time on, it's, it is stuck in my mind. That I'm called to be in this house, and I'm called to do what God has called me to do. So First Chronicles says, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father. Have personal knowledge of him. Be acquainted with him and understand him. Appreciate, heed, and cherish him. See, so we need to understand God, and we need to come to church, and we need to learn. But the next, the next sentence there says, And serve him with a blameless heart and a willing mind. And the only, to me, the only way to serve him is how else do you serve him? But part of it needs to be service in the local body, unless you're like an evangelist called all around the world. But even evangelists that are called around the world, they have a house that they come back to, and they serve in that house when they're not out saving the rest of the world. The singers and worship artists that you hear on on the radio, if if you, you know, know anything else about them a lot of them are worship leaders in the local church when they're not out on tour they're in the local church serving everyone's called in a capacity to serve in the local church it says for the lord searches all hearts minds and understands the wanderings of the thoughts if you seek him inquiring for and of him and requiring him as your first and vital necessity you will find him if you forsake him he will cast you off forever it just goes back to the scripture that, that our pastor teaches all the time, and I live my life by it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing being right. Guys, the rest of your life will be added unto you. I really, truly believe that for, because of the commitment that I made to God, the commitment to serve, the commitment to give finances, to give the commitment to give a part of my every area of my life to him, has has caused me to be in the position that I'm at today. It's not because I'm smart. I was just willing to go after God. A willing heart to serve him. Then we get down to verse 10. It says, take heed now. Take heed now. You know, stop, look at it. New King James says, consider now. New Living says, so take this seriously. I think this is a serious issue that God wants us to really take a look at. He told us, get to know him up here. And then you go down to verse 10, and this is what he says. In the message, it says, says, look sharp. Look sharp, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. See, I believe that God has chosen us to build a house. He said that he would build the church. And what's the church? That's us. We are the church. We're the church. But he's called it. He's going to use us to build the house. He's going to use us to build the building. He's going to use us to serve in the church. But he's going to build the church in us. So as we lock shields, as God's building the church in us, we lock shields and we begin to build the house together. And it all works together. We're called to build the house. If the garden is going to move forward, it's going to take each and every one of us taking our role and our part. And, and becoming a team and doing what God has called us to do. Be strong and do it. Be strong and do it. New Living says, be strong and do the work. Serving God is going to require some work. CV says, be confident and do the work you've been assigned. Messi says, be brave, determined, 
and do it. Guys, God has called you and he has equipped you so you can do it with confidence. You can do it with bravery. You can know that God is doing something through you that's going to change the life of others. One day, you know what? Our money that we give to one day, you know, last year we supplied over a million meals. A million meals. This this little house right here supplied a million meals to people who are hungry. That's part, you know, you guys, that, that's, that, that's an arrow in your, or a feather in your cap, whatever. It, you know, that, God's going to recognize that when you get to heaven. You didn't have to go over there to do it, but you, in, through your giving and through your commitment to God to serve him in your finances, you're making a difference clear on the other side of the world. Right now we have a team in Nepal from this church. Will and Carol Ogden and a couple other people went with a team over to Nepal. They are in Nepal ministering right now. That is the garden ministering in Nepal. That is the garden over their change in lives. This year we're believing we're believing for two thousand meals. And that's gonna come through or I mean two million meals. That's what it was, yeah, two thousand now. We can do two thousand, I'm sure. But we're, you know, we're believing for two million meals. We're believing that this body's going to continue to answer the call of God. They're going to continue to give, and we're going to continue to be a blessing. And through that, your life is going to be blessed. You cannot outgive God. I'm a living example that you can't. You cannot outgive God. He will take care of you. I promise. Come and talk to me about it. I'll tell you what God has done in my life in the financial area. I'm not rich, but I'm, God has blessed me beyond what you can think or imagine. I know other people that are in here in the same situation. I believe that God is going to use this house financially to do some awesome things because it takes money. Amen? I didn't intend to talk about money, but I didn't get to take the offering this morning. So whew, now I feel better. Okay, point two. Point two. You know, and guys, we don't, we, you know, we are not trying to get your money. Even though we're talking about this, we're not trying to get your money. We just want you to, to understand what the Bible, the biblical principles of finances are. And when God has a hold of your wallet, he's got a hold of you. That's, that's just all there is to it. It really is. It's a vital part of our relationship with God is our, the financial realm. Amen? You guys ready for a third quarter stretch? Not really. Okay. Point two. Point two is serve like you're mature. And I really believe that um, that because you see it in the church as people become more mature, they get more involved. They do. You see a young Christian come in. I remember when Scott and Kathy uh, started coming to church here, you know. Sorry, I didn't mean to say your name, but um, you know, I, I just remember when they when they first came and and they they were going through some stuff in their lives and and they came and 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 they just began to do what Pastor Tom was teaching. It just began to fall and and they got involved and in, and in serving and and from where they were at back then to where they're at right now is two different worlds. It's worlds apart. God, I've watched God move in their life. And as they've matured in Christ, they've also matured in their serving. So serve like you're mature. Uh, this week, in the, in, if you were here on Wednesday night, if you were here on Wednesday night, raise your hand. Not really. Um, but if you weren't, 
you know, I was telling you guys, if you're going to miss, miss, miss the services when I'm speaking and come on Wednesday night. But, but if you're going to miss service, you need to be here on Wednesday night. God is doing some incredible things on Wednesday night. And one of the things we're doing, go through the bait of Satan. And in the bait of Satan, I actually learned something this week. I listened and I took notes. Everybody say amen. <clears throat> but it says, um, there, what we learned this week, uh, one of the things was that there's two Greek words in the Bible that describe sons of God. You know, pastor's been saying, you know, remember a couple weeks ago he said, we ain't all sons of God. It's those who are led by the Spirit, they are sons of God. And John Bevere talked about that this week. And he said, he said that the, the first one is, is technon. And in John 1, 12, the scripture says, but as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So, sons in that, in, in that context, you know, children, sons, same thing, um, the word is technon. And technon in the, in, in the Greek goes back and says, one who is a son by birth. So, you know, so when, when you accept Jesus Christ in your life, you're, you're a son by birth. And, and what he used as an analogy was, was his son. When he went to the, the, when they went to the hospital, his wife had the baby, you know, they had a son. They took the, you know, he went to the hospital, they, they had taken the baby out of the room and they'd put him in, um, the little plastic things, you know, the, the, last night I said petri dishes, people didn't like that. Um. They're grown babies in there, little incubator things, whatever they are. You know what I mean? And all the babies are there in their petri dishes. And, okay, yeah. The NICU, whatever. I thought that was a show. Oh, that's NCIS. Okay. Um, but anyhow, so there, anyhow, his point was they're all in these, they're plastic dishes. And he's looking in there. And he's like, I could not recognize my son. But I knew my son was in there until I read the little name tag that said Bevere on it. I didn't know who my son was, but I knew But he, as soon as I see him, that's my son by birth. That's my son just because he was born for my wife. Amen? So you get the point. One that is born, or one who is a son by, by birth. And, and, and he's an immature son. He's just a baby, immature. So the second one is, is weos. Weos, that's the Greek word. It's, it's spelled H-U-I-O-S. And I put in parentheses next to his we owe so I could remember how to actually say it. And in Romans 8:14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And sons in this, in this context is one who is identified by the characteristics of the parent. So, and they become a mature son. So what he says, you know, now that his son is older, he's not in the... In the hospital, now that he's older, he's grown up, he has taken on the characteristics of the father. You know, my son's in here today, I'm not going to point him out, but if you saw my son, he acts just like I do, good and bad. And sometimes, it, you know, I'm thinking, gosh, I wish he would just got the good stuff. But, um, but, you know, but as we mature, we become like our fathers. We become like our mothers. The characteristics are there. And so how I want to use that this morning is that, you know, the characteristics of God that we want to to people to see as we mature is the characteristics of our father and our father. All he does is serve us. What else does God do? 
I mean, that's all I know about God. I mean, maybe he does other things. I don't know. You believe in extraterrestrials? Maybe there's another world. I don't know. But in my life, you know, all God, why did God create the earth? What was his purpose in creating the earth? He did it for us. He created the earth just for us to live on. He created the earth just for us to inhabit. He created the earth for us. He's continued. When we need something, he's there. He's continually serving us. We need to take on the characteristics of our Father. We need to serve. We need to serve in the local house. Amen? Serving together puts us in situations and we get to see each other in the good, the bad, and ugly. When we serve together, it, it causes growth in you and in me because we're, we're, we're overlooking each other. We're saying, oh, wow, I didn't know you were like that. But you know what? We serve together and we, and we, we lift each other up. Um, you know, when I'm working with Rod, you know, I see some really ugly stuff. <laughs> Anyhow, it's good to get to throw him under the bus up here. Um, so, but you know, but, but he sees some stuff in me, but we're, you know, but we're not there to chew each other up. We're not there to beat each other down. When I, when he sees something in me, he doesn't come up to me and say, well, you're an idiot. Well, I mean, sometimes he says that, but, but most of the time, you know, it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're bonded together. We're serving in the house together. We're leading together and we're working together. Try that. There's a dynamic there that you have to figure out when you spend that much time with other people. But, but my point is, is that because we are bound together and because we are serving together, it's causing us to grow in God like we would have never grown were we not tied together in that close relationship. If you don't have any close relationships in here, you're going to struggle I mean, because what happens, what I see sometimes is people come in, they are excited because we have a pastor that can speak dynamically and, and he's entertaining and he, and, he, and he serves up truth. And they hear the truth in a way they've never heard before and they're super excited. But the ones that do not get connected, the ones that do not serve, they're not here anymore. Eventually they're gone. Eventually they move on to the next church where they get excited again. And nobody gets to know who they really are. And they don't know who people really are. They come in and they're happy and they're excited to be here. But they did not get connected. Which takes me to my next point. Serve like you're a living example. Serve like you're a living example. And so we're going to go to the scripture. Psalms 92, 13 through 15 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in an old age. How many of you guys want to bear fruit when you're old? I do, and I'm not old now. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. So, you know, it, to flourish, I really believe life. If you're going to flourish in life, you need to be planted in the house. If you're going to flourish in your relationship with God and your relationship with others, and, and you're going to be all that God has called you to be, you have got to serve in the house where God has planted you. Just like if you buy a tree. If you buy a tree and you leave the, the root ball rolled up in the, in the uh, burlap sack and you sit it out in the yard, it's going to look really dumb first place, but you leave it out there, you can water and everything, but eventually that thing is going to die. It is not going to sustain itself until you put it in a hole and you cover it up with dirt and, and you fertilize it and water it and nurture that thing. Then it's going to grow into a huge, strong tree. 
Amen. It's the same with us. God uses this analogy in the Bible. We need to be planted in the house. And it, it takes us back to, for me, um, that scripture where, and pastor's been using it, uh, therefore there's such a cloud of witnesses, and, and they're standing up there and cheering us on us. In Hebrews 12 it says, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin. Well, when it was just like he said, when, when somebody says this verse, I really do. I like see a cloud in my mind. I see a cloud and there's Abraham and David and all the, the forefathers of, of, you know, they're, and they're standing up on that cloud. And they're going, come on, Todd, you can do it. And, and he brought an understanding to me that, you know, that's really not what it's saying. What it's saying is that they're saying, look at us. We were murderers, adulterers, liars, every aspect of life. You know, they were doing it, cheaters. They're saying, look at me. I still got connected to God, and I still fulfilled the call of God in my life, and I still made it to heaven, and I still, I still fulfilled the call of God in my life, even though I wasn't perfect. And so what I want, that's what I want in my life. I want to be a living example. Someday I want to hang out on the cloud with these guys. But for now, I want my life to be a living example right now. I want my life to be a living example right now. In Psalms in the Amplified, in Psalms 92.13, it says, Planted, uh, I'm going to read it in the CV. It says, uh, They will take root in your house, or root if you're from somewhere else. Lord God, <laughs> they, they will take root in your house, Lord God, and they will do well. They will be like trees that stay healthy and fruitful even when they're old. I want to stay healthy and fruitful even when I'm old. And they will say about you, the Lord always does right. God is our mighty rock. The Amplified, Amplified says, planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. Growing in grace, they shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap. How many of you guys want to be full of sap? I want to be sappy. Of spiritual, of spiritual vitality and rich in the, I don't know how to read that, verdure. It's not up there. Of trust and love. So whatever. They want to be rich in trust and love. In tr- you know what? To serve in the body and to build a relationship in here, you're going to have to be full of trust and love. And not trust in other people, but trust in God and love for God and a love for people. You're going to have to trust that God is, as we see the other side of our lives, we we got to trust that God is doing a work in their life and that we're a vital part of them getting to where God has called them. See, you're a vital part of me getting to where God has called me to be. We're, 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 it's part of our lives. There's people that come into your lives that you are a vital part of them fulfilling the call that God has in their life. So guys, let's, let's, and then verse 15 says, it says, they are living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promise. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Guys, let's be living memorials of what God can do with our lives. Amen. Let's serve in the house. You know, we got trunk or treat coming up. I'm just going to say this one more time. We need you to sign up for trunk or treat. Trunk or help. Or, you know, we need bodies to be here. We've always had a huge group for trunk or treat. This year, it's not so big. We need people to serve. Trunk or treat is one of our biggest outreaches. Even if you don't believe in Halloween, that's not what it's about. It's about serving our community. 
It's about getting involved and building something through the garden and through what God has called us to do. Sign up today. We need your help. Be there. Be a body. Run candy. Do something. But sign up. Serve in the house. Let's let's do. Let's do. Let's let's do the work that we've been assigned to do. Amen. Close your eyes this morning. Let me bless you. God, we thank you. We praise you today. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this house that we get to come and serve in and we get to we get to hear the truth and we get to be a part of what you're doing in other people's lives. So God, we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise today for what you're doing in us, what you're doing in the people and the lives around us. God, cause us to to see that we're not volunteers, God, but that we're called to serve you and we're called to serve in the local house. So we just give you thanks. And this morning, I just want to, you know, we don't want to close this service down without giving you the opportunity that if, you know, if you need God in your life, if you need more of God, if you need to make a, a renewed commitment to God in your life today, that we want to give you the opportunity to do that. We have people here that are praying. We're not going to call you out. We're not going to embarrass you. But we just want to just by raising your hand so that we can, we can stand with you. We want to stand with you as you pursue God in your life. So if there's anybody in here this morning, we're all going to say a prayer together. You're not going to have to be embarrassed. If there's anybody in here, you know what? You need, you need God in your life. We just want to give you a raise your hand up this morning. If that's you, let us pray with you. Let us stand with you. Anybody at all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you.